Three millenniums ago, the mighty Israelite King David conquered Jerusalem. He soon established a magnificent musical culture for praising God. Explore the depth of Psalm 76, recorded for your benefit by David's chief musician. Next, on The Key of David, with Gerald Flurry. Greetings, everyone. When Israel was sent into the Promised Land, God told them to drive out all of their enemies. But there was one in uh, Jerusalem at that time, the Jebusites, and they had chariots of iron. And Israel was very much afraid, at least Benjamin was, that they uh, were circling uh, Jerusalem at the time. And they never would go in to fight the Jebusites. And for 400 years, those Jebusites remained there and caused all kinds of problems to Israel, which, uh, of course, should not have happened at all if they had heeded what God said to do. But God does give us trials and tests that are tough at times. He wants to us to build our faith and grow. I want to show you today and do a little repeating of what I've said some in the past to try to make this as clear and as important as I possibly can. But if you look at Psalm 76, it emphasizes the city of Jerusalem. But if you don't study that deeply, I mean deeply, you would never know that. But that's the truth, and you can certainly understand it with some study. So, it emphasizes the city of Jerusalem, and yet it's not easy uh, to see. Certainly, if you don't study, you won't see it. So, I want to repeat part of the Psalm 76 today, along with some other scriptures. But when David came into the Promised Land, he found a way immediately to overthrow the Jebusites and get control of Jerusalem, and he called it the City of David. So that was a big, big change. And if you look at these prophecies, though, they're all from the former prophets, and those former prophets are primarily for us today, God's people today. And we prove that in our book on the former prophets. But Asaph wrote several psalms himself. He was chosen by David personally to be an overseer or leader of the instrumentalists and even uh, just everything. He was like a conductor of everything. And so, he was a poet-prophet, that's what he's called in these scriptures. But I want to show you how he felt about his boss, David. And uh, David was very close to him. Psalm 78, verses 70 through 72. Let me read that. Verse 70 says, He chose David, also his servant, and took him from the sheepfolds. From following the ewes, great with young, he brought him to feed Jacob his people and Israel his inheritance. So he fed them according to the integrity of his heart and guided them by the skillfulness of his hands. So that's how he felt about his boss, and he became uh, the number one conductor for David. And let me quote something here that we wrote about the future of God's musicians and performers. 
And this is what we wrote. Sendry says that the musicians David chose achieved a mastery maintained invariably on a high level by the strict discipline of the guild of musicians and by constant music rehearsals. For these, the Levites were provided with special rooms, as stated in the Bible, Ezekiel 40, verse 44, and in the rabbinic literature. He references a chamber in a temple that has never been built. The one described in Ezekiel, Ezekiel's temple, that chapters 40 through 48. This is a prophetic temple to be built after the coming of the Messiah. The fact that it includes rehearsal rooms for the singers of Christ's ruling team is extremely exciting. So God prepares rooms for all of the, all of the special music and the singing. Even now, it's all planned. Right there in Ezekiel 44, verse 1 of Psalm 76, In Judah is God known, uh, His name is great in Israel. In Salem also is His tabernacle and His dwelling place in Zion. If He's in Salem, well, he's, that's the Old Covenant. But why Salem? Why would they mention that? Well, there is a very definite reason for that. On down in verse 3 it says, There broke he the arrows of the bow, the shield, and the sword, and the battle, Selah. So that means, Selah means stop and think. You find Selah only in the Psalms. And it is a, a way of showing us how we can become more profound in our understanding of the Psalms and even other scriptures in the Bible. It's a a very important word for us to understand. Let's take a look again at verse 2. In Salem also is his tabernacle and his dwelling place in Zion. And then after that he says, Selah. So in other words, he wants us to stop and think. Okay, now if you're talking about Salem, well, what do you know about Salem? What, what, well, there's a, quite a lot in the Bible about that. But what do we remember about Salem? Well, this word Salem is not, uh, not telling us too much, but unless you look into some other scriptures and then you begin to understand what God is talking about here. But again, if you stop and think about some of these areas like Salem, okay, you can understand what it means and, and you might... Think about Genesis 14 and verse 18. Let me read that to you. Verse 18, And Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought forth bread and wine, and he was the priest of the Most High God. And he blessed him and said, Blessed be Abram of the Most High God, possessor of heaven and earth. So here we have the king of Salem. That's the God of the Old Testament, the God that became Jesus Christ. And so here we have a, a mysterious word, though, of Salem. We need to understand what it means. Well, now there, that's where the uh, God of the Old Testament lived, in Salem, which became something, a, a much more important name, as we'll see here in a few moments. We'll read some of these verses. Verse 4 says, "...you are more glorious and excellent than the mountains of prey." Your stout-hearted spoil, they have slept there, and so on. And then on down in verse 7 it says, 
You, even you, are to be feared. He's, this is God we're talking about, who may stand in your sight when once you are angry. And then it makes a change here. You did cause judgment to be heard from heaven. The earth feared and was still. When God arose to judgment to save all the meek of the earth, Selah, this is now entering into the new covenant. And he says it's this going to, he's going to save all of the meek of the earth that become converted and, and, and want to follow God. But he says now, Selah, you better stop. You have to stop and think now. Something's important here. What, what, is, what is God talking about and what is the place he's talking about? Well, he's talking about Jerusalem. That takes more space, and so he's referring to other scriptures so that we can understand, okay, well, uh, we need more information to understand this. So this is telling you about the Old Covenant and the New Covenant. And, of course, we want to understand the New Covenant today because this helps us if we see what God is showing us here, that this is very profound and something that is essential to our understanding of the Psalms and the whole Bible, for that matter. So Salem is the Old Covenant, and Jerusalem is the New Covenant. It's implied, but I'll show you more about that in a moment. Verse 9 says, When God arose to judgment to save all the meek of the earth, Selah. New Covenant here. And he's talking about Salem, or is it Jerusalem? Well, uh, we have to study a little more to comprehend that. It seems that Jerusalem uh, uh, could have been explained right here, except it, you, you, you do need more to explain about Jerusalem, which leads into New Jerusalem and all that. But God says, okay, now there's Selah again. This very important word, if you want to really understand the Psalms and more, get more depth out of your Bible, this is a major way to do it. It's a powerful word, and it means so much to our Bible study. So it doesn't tell us as much here, though, that we'd like to see, so we need to Selah, or stop and think, and think about other areas where it might tell us something about this that we need to know. Stop and think. Selah is only in the Psalms. These Psalms really can teach you more depth in your Bible study than you've ever had before in many ways. It certainly can do that, and that's what we all need to learn, the very mind of God. The Bible is, is uh, Jesus Christ in print. That's, that's the uh, wonderful message that we have before us. Now, I've, I've talked about Selah before, but I want to just uh, add a little here to it that I have mentioned before, but this is really critical. It says this, this is from Ryan Malone, who is in charge of our music here, and it says, Now Selah has a musical application, as in thinking during an instrumental interlude, or 
postlude, the word is used only in Psalms and in Habakkuk, which is really a psalm there as well. That's Habakkuk 3. So this usage indicates it is a musical term, a technical term musicians would know. It has been supposed it means an instrumental interlude where the singing stops and instruments play, and during which time the listener is to ponder what has just been said. Now, that's, that's just what this means. Stop and think. There's something that you need to think about more here. Learn to think more through these psalms, because you certainly can. An interesting usage of this Psalm 9 and verse 16, which has the word Higeon in front of Selah. Higeon means meditation or pondering. Used in Psalm 19 and verse 14, the meditation of David's heart. So it definitely would mean that there, stop and think, or something really very close to that. It is obvious that that is the case. Now, these Psalms can point us to uh, just so much more depth. And you may have uh, critics of archaeology, and, and oftentimes we do today, and they don't really know that much about the Bible. But uh, Dr. Alot Mazar always said, well, just let the stones speak. They speak. She uncovered David's palace, the greatest discovery of all. And those stones speak and tell you it really is David's palace that she uncovered. And the stones did indeed speak. So if you look at the context of Psalm 76, you can see that Salem is a symbol of the Old Covenant. And then if you really look at it closely, well, Jerusalem is, is the symbol of the New Covenant. And it, it, Jerusalem means city of peace. City of peace. Let me give you a quote here from the Jameson Fawcett Brown commentary. It says this, as Jerusalem is the enlarged form of the name Salem, that is, peace. But if you look at Jerusalem, means, it says, it, Jerusalem means literally the possession of peace. So Salem means peace, but then Jerusalem means possession of peace forever, is what it's talking about. That's a possession of peace. It's not going to be something that somebody can take away from you. God's going to bring peace to this world and to the universe forever. So it, it brings Jerusalem into it. That possession of peace is just like a, an omnipotent prophecy for all of us today. Think how wonderful that is. The city itself is a prophecy. If you just understand the definition of what that city means, Jerusalem means. So, we, uh, we, again, if you, if you, when you read Selah there, you see, well, we have to go outside of this psalm to understand more, like uh, Psalm 87 and verse 3. And I'll just read that to you. Glorious things are spoken of you, O city of God, Selah. Stop and think now. This city of God, well, that must be Jerusalem. It certainly is. Now, if you, you can think about other scriptures you would apply to that, or something that might be in your memory that you think is related to this, 
Or you could think of a new booklet we have that's just recently uh, been published. It's a recent booklet. Well, it's a small book, really, and it's the title is "The Eternal Has Chosen Jerusalem," and it's a, an amazing new revelation that God has given us about Jerusalem and about how God has chosen Jerusalem. He's chosen Jerusalem. He says, now, stop and think. Think about that. Because uh, verse 3 is talking about the city of God. And that relates to Psalm 76 more than most psalms for certain. We need to understand that. Here is one of the chapters of my book on the eternal has chosen Jerusalem. It is titled, The City of God. That's Jerusalem. Glorious things spoken of you, O city of God. That's what Jerusalem is and is going to be when God chooses Jerusalem. And He's about to do that very soon. But we have all this technology today, and we can pull things together like this, and we can understand so much more if we will use that technology. It will give us so much more depth to our Bible study. So, you, you, uh, if you use the word Selah, you just have to realize this is something where God really is trying to encourage us to think more into what we're studying, to really grasp what we're reading from our Bibles. Stop and think. You're going to have to do some thinking to get related scriptures outside of the Psalms or other Psalms or maybe a booklet that we have that will explain all of this to you and you can prove every bit of it. And it will add so much to your Bible study, so much more interest to your Bible study, it'll be hard for you to believe. It's that important. And you can prove it to yourself. Stop and think. That's a critical word that we must understand and realize how important it is because God is trying to get us to think and and think like He does. And that takes a lot of thinking, and that's a very high standard, but oh, how wonderful it makes your Bible study. You just fall in love with the Bible. Mr. Armstrong said that many times of both him and his wife. So we have to understand Selah and understand stop and, and think. God wants us to think the way He does. And we, want, we work to practice this in our editorial department here on the campus and try to get as much out of these wonderful truths as we possibly can. And I'll tell you, once you do that, you're, you're going to fall in love with your Bible. You really will. If, if your attitude is like that of uh, David here in these Psalms, Psalm 76, I'll read verses 11 and 12. Vow and pay unto the Eternal your God, let all that be round about Him bring presents unto Him that ought to be feared. He ought to be feared. A lot of people don't fear Him, but He ought to be feared. Because the whole Feast of Tabernacles is, is for God's people, and they go to that Feast of Tabernacles to learn to fear God.
That's the whole purpose of it. Verse 12, He shall cut off the spirit of princes, and he is terrible to the kings of the earth. So here you have a, uh, just a lack of knowledge that people don't have because they have to choose today, and they can choose not to even pay attention to this. But I'll tell you, there is a, if you want to know more about it, I can read to you just a little if I have time about the Apostle Paul. Now, did he know anything about uh, Psalm 76? Well, notice what he said in uh, Hebrews 7 and verse, verse 1. And this is another booklet you could be thinking about that God has given in, in recent years. And it is a powerful booklet, and it is the only New Testament book that really explains Psalm 76 like it should be explained. Verse 1, For this Melchizedek, king of Salem, well now, Paul's talking about him, priest of the Most High God, who met Abraham returning from the slaughter of the kings, and blessed him, to whom also Abraham gave a tenth part of all, first being by interpretation king of righteousness, and after that also king of Salem, which is king of peace. Well, now he's bringing Jerusalem into it. Peace. That's, that's what he's talking about. Without father, without mother, without descent, having neither beginning of days nor end of life, and made like unto the Son of God, abides a priest continually, father, son. A couple of the words there in uh, Psalm 76, when it says God is Elohim. That means God's family. He's building a family. He's, he's recreating Himself in men and creating the very family of God. Paul is explaining that and showing us that there's something new and wonderful here if you understand the new covenant. It's the new covenant we want to understand, and we need to understand Salem and Selah and certainly Jerusalem. And you begin to really expand your understanding. It's a marvelous uh, truth that we we really need to latch on to. You can check. You can stop and think and look to other psalms or other scriptures of the Bible, or even books and booklets that would explain this more to you. And God goes on to say through Paul here. I don't have time to get through all of these verses, but it does talk more about this. He's telling us how he's our intercessor, this great high priest. Personally, that's what he's doing today. He's looking after his people, and he intercedes for them and helps them. And he's a, a, an advocate for them, uh, which uh, means when you sin, he comes to our uh, aid by talking to the Father, making sure that, that everything is done in wisdom and balance and, and, and in truth. So there's, there's just a lot here. But you see, God wants us to see the difference between Salem and Jerusalem. Jerusalem, this possession of peace that is coming to this world coming to this world very soon you can it all of these events you see are leading exactly into the second coming of Jesus Christ and he's going to come and bring 
this wonderful truth to us and teach us how to think more deeply about God's truth. And your Bible is going to come alive like it never, ever, ever has before. And it's going to bring blessings into your life that you have never, ever had before. Until next week, this is Gerald Flurry. Goodbye, friends. All our literature is available free of charge at no cost or obligation to you. Request The Former Prophets, Jerusalem and Prophecy, How God Values Music, and a subscription to our Bible course. Order now. The preceding program was a paid presentation of The Key of David, brought to you by the Philadelphia Church of God.